But I want to greet you this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of Holy Spirit. He says good morning to you this morning. What a privilege it is for us to have been able to start this year, first month, learning and understanding a little bit more of probably the most important person in the church with us today, Holy Spirit. So will you please bow your heads with me as I pray. Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, come and make your presence known. Reveal the glory of the living God. Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, come and make your presence known. Reveal the glory of the living God. Let the weight of your glory cover us. Let the life of your river flow. Let the truth of your kingdom reign in us. Let the weight of your glory let the weight of your glory fall and now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you O Lord our God Amen so for the last three Sundays we have been blessed to have been able to learn more and more about Holy Spirit, to get a better understanding. Chris started with talking to us about the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons, all worshipped together. And then Andrew made us aware that Holy Spirit's always been around from the very beginning of time as we understand it, into the Old Testament, the New Testament, and he's in the world today. But not just in the world, he's in the world alive and active in the believer. And last week, Randy focused on the purpose of the Holy Spirit. He is the breath of God, a fresh breath. The breath of God that uses the believer to accomplish his will on earth. Randy spoke about us partnering with Holy Spirit to bring in a new reality that Jesus will finally bring into its completion when he comes again. Randy said that Holy Spirit is the mover and the shaker of this new reality and that we must move and shake with him. If you missed any of these messages, you can always catch up on the website or on YouTube. And so by now it is the expectation that you know more about Holy Spirit than you did four weeks ago. But knowledge is not the only thing. You need to take that knowledge and you need to apply it in your lives. We know and we grow in knowledge so that we can show and share the truth and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is our new assignment on this earth. So this morning, I want to show you a few things. And the first is to show you that we are, by God's handiwork 
and by his word, spirit beings housed in a physical body for a physical assignment here on the earth. I want to show you that Holy Spirit is a gift that God gives to the believer after that believer has heard the good news of Jesus Christ and has responded through repentance and baptism to show you that it is Jesus' instruction, it is Jesus' desire for the believer to work together with Holy Spirit and not on our own. And lastly, to show you that Holy Spirit wants to have communion with us. That is, he wants to fellowship with us, he wants to partnership with us, and he wants to have inst intimacy with us. So let's begin with who we are. You and I individually are referred to as a being, B-E-I-N-G. God is also a being, but God is a spirit being. He is unseen, he is uncreated, he is eternal, he is all-knowing, he is all-powerful, and he is present wherever he chooses to be. We are human beings. We are seen. We were formed in the secret place called heaven and out of this earth by God. We are human beings. And the word human is two words put together. The first word is humus which means dust, dirt, dirt, or earth. And the second word is man, which is the name that God gave to the spirit being that he created. You put the two together, and you get humus man or human. Now, just so that you're aware, it's not hummus or hummus, <laughs> and we are not made of chickpea dip. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, it is written, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the earth. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created man. Male and female, he created them. There were two things that I learned from this passage of Scripture. Firstly, that God is a spirit being, and if he made us mankind in his image and in his likeness, then the obvious deduction is that what God created was a spirit being, which he called man. Secondly, that God gave that spirit being a physical assignment. The physical assignment on the earth to rule to reign, to have dominion over everything that God created. The question then is this, how was the spirit being, the man, going to accomplish a physical task? I think that you may agree with me or appreciate that a spirit being in its spirit form cannot accomplish physical tasks or things. So here's what God does next. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, it is written, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Two things from this passage. Firstly, out of the dust of the earth, he formed a physical body, a body that had no life. 
And then he, God, breathed the spirit being into the physical body, giving the physical body life through his power and through the spirit being. So in Genesis 1, God created man, the name God gave to the spirit being. And then he gave man a physical assignment. In Genesis 2, he formed a body for man and put the spirit being or the man into the physical body. The spirit being who was given the physical assignment could now carry it out in a physical world. Now, if you're lost or you're not with me, just think about when someone passes away, when someone dies. What is left? It's just a physical body. But the person, Dion, Tina, Jenny, Stephanie, that person is no longer there. That person you had a relationship with is no longer there. For those of you who watched movies in the 90s, think of the classical movie Ghost with Demi Moore, Patrick Swayze, and Whoopi Goldberg. He wanted to help Demi Moore, but he couldn't because he was a spirit. And so although far-fetched, it's something of an, an analogy that shows you that a spirit being cannot function on the earth unless it is in physical form. Do you remember the demons that were in the pigs? Do you remember the demons that was in the man um, that Jesus cast out? They can't function here without a physical body. That's God's law. So we find that human beings are really an integration of the spirit and the physical, where the physical body is formed or made for the spirit being. We were meant to rule, to reign, to have dominion as spirit beings in a physical body suit or tent over everything, including our own bodies. That was God's good plan for mankind. But instead, this is what happened. With the encouragement of the tempter, we fell to the temptation of wanting to be like God. We desired to serve our own will rather than be subject to God's will. We were deceived into a state of being that was contrary to what God had planned for us, to what God had created us to be. We caused a swap in the roles of our being. We regressed from being spirit dominant to becoming flesh or physical dominant. The spirit being became suppressed and subservient to the flesh or to the physical body. We used the power of self-will and choice that God gave us, blessed us with, for what we perceive to be better than God's will. We exchanged a physical body under the rule of the spirit being for a physical body that is self-serving, prone to degeneration, wear and tear both physically and emotionally, and prone to destroying itself as well as everyone around it. Our God is holy, and by his word, he cannot be in the presence of unholiness. So to be faithful to his own word, God has to remove himself. He has to depart from our presence. But the good news is that even though he departed, he makes a promise and a plan for us to be restored to him. 
for him and us to walk together as he had originally planned. And that promise comes through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, which is accomplished on the cross and in his resurrection. And so God comes to earth. But again, as I said, to be true to himself, because he is a spirit being who does not permit spirit beings to function on the earth by his own word, which becomes law, he too cannot do what he needs to do on earth, that is save mankind without a physical body. Now he is God, but he made a law. And if he transgressed that law, then he is no longer God. And so he is faithful to his word. The work of salvation is a physical assignment and therefore has to be carried out in a physical body. And so the spirit of Jesus took its God-ordained place in the body of Jesus that was formed by God in the womb of the Virgin Mary. Jesus becomes fully human and yet remaining fully divine. We find later on in his life, at his baptism, filled with the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, he begins his assignment. The promise of salvation of mankind through his sacrifice on the cross. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 42, Jesus says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And here we see the will of God that was discarded by Adam's disobedience in the Garden of Eden being restored through Jesus' obedience. And then following his baptism, filled with the Spirit, Jesus allows Holy Spirit to lead him into the wilderness. This is symbolic because he is symbolically submitting to the leading of Holy Spirit. And this is crucial for us as we see the submission of the physical body to the spirit. He subdues the flesh as he denies the flesh sustenance in that 40 days of fasting. He makes the flesh weak so that the spirit can be strong. With Holy Spirit, Jesus defeats temptation. And he takes back from the tempter everything that was lost in the Garden of Eden. And he did that for you and I. In partnership with Holy Spirit, he builds a community of believers, ushers in the kingdom of God, and continues his work of salvation to the cross and in his resurrection. And Jesus did that for all mankind. Not just for the Christian, but for all mankind. Jesus restores the rule and the reign of the spirit being in the human being. And he gives us his spirit, Holy Spirit, to help us against the desire of the flesh to rule and reign again. You see, so long as we are in this world, we who believe will always face a world that is in opposition to God's will. Not forgetting a tempter who continually prowls around seeking out the believer to cause the believer 
to fall again and again. And this restoration of the flesh, of the spirit becoming dominant once again, happens when we are given the opportunity to hear the good news of salvation, to hear about God's plan for us. And when we hear it, we have a choice. We either believe it and believe in Jesus, or we walk away. When we believe, we move from a posture of walking away from God by turning 180 degrees and walking towards God. That's called repentance. And it is there we say to God that we are sorry and that we don't want to walk away from him, but that we want to come under his will. We want to continue to believe that his will is good for us. And we want to live lives as believers. In repentance, we turn to God. And we say, like Jesus said, not my will, but your will, O Lord, be done in my life. And Jesus has paid the price for that to happen, to satisfy all the laws of nature, all the laws that God created. Jesus' death and sacrifice makes that possible for anyone who chooses to believe in him. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, after pre uh, Peter had preached his first message, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter responded, he said, repent and be baptized. That's scriptural. You just need to repent. You need to say you're sorry, and then you need to be baptized. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. The promise was not only for the disciples and their children, but for people in every generation thereafter to us in the world today. Baptism, according to scripture, is what must follow repentance. You can't just say you're sorry and not get baptized. It is scriptural that if you repent, you must get baptized. It is like a contractual partnership with God, but forever. Being submerged of your own free will into water is physically not good for you. Would you agree? No? Of your own free will, being submerged into water is not good for you. You will die, and your spirit will leave your physical body. <clears throat> but baptism is made complete when you are helped by a fellow baptized believer to come out of that water into a new life that is in Christ. And you are never alone thereafter. Because once that happens, God seals you he puts his Holy Spirit into your life and he puts the believers around you to walk alongside you as well. A body that submits to being led by its spirit in communion with God's spirit is what takes place next.
The spirit being rules, has dominion, reigns over the physical body, and is helped by the spirit of God and other believers. He is the one who walks alongside you, who convicts you of sin and righteousness, who gives you wisdom and counsel and comfort, and who causes you to bear good fruit, the kind of fruit that God likes. He is the one who helps you see yourself as a spirit being created by God in his image and in his likeness. He is the one who helps your spirit being to see the spirit beings of those around you, not their color, not their prettiness, not their ugliness, not their deformities, but to see the spirit being that God created and put in that physical body. That's what the believer is supposed to see. That's the difference that the believer should make in the world today. And then take that physical assignment of sharing the good news and the gospel to whoever will listen, to whoever will receive, believe in Jesus, and then do likewise in the world. That's the new reality. The apostle teaches us that there will always be a battle between the flesh and the spirit for dominance. He says in Galatians chapter 5, So I say, walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do whatever you want. And in verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. I like what he says when he says, keep in step with the Spirit. If you think about that metaphorical um, picture of the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus like a dove, Imagine if he was a dove on your shoulder. Bill Johnson teaches that you can't run. You can't do things fast because that bird will fly away. But you need to keep in step with the Holy Spirit in your life. You need to move gingerly. You need to move carefully. You need to think about everything you do and say or that dove will fly away. Holy Spirit's not a dove, just so that you understand that. But metaphorically, that's what it's like. Jesus wants us to carry out our new assignment with Holy Spirit. Imagine that after three and a half years of spending time with his disciples, teaching them practically, theoretically, and just about when he is ready to ascend into heaven, he tells them to wait. He says, don't move. All the knowledge that you have, don't use it. He says, wait. Wait for the gift of the Father, Holy Spirit. In John 14, 26, he says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. And in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, on one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days 
you will be baptized with Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus was wise, wasn't he? The physical body can only be in one place at one time. But the spirit can be everywhere in every believer all the time. Jesus knew that. The believer in Jesus Christ lives in the age of God the Holy Spirit who is here at the will of God the Father and the desire of God the Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Here for the benefit of the believer to help us complete and help us to worship him, to represent him and complete our assignment. Spirit, capital S, to spirit, small s. Holy Spirit to me, Holy Spirit to you, the believer. And Jesus wants us to trust Holy Spirit. He wants us to have fellowship with Holy Spirit. He wants us to partner with Holy Spirit. And he wants us to become more intimate with Holy Spirit. To, to not do that, to grieve Holy Spirit, is a sin. In Paul's final words to the church in Corinth, he says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. John Bevere teaches that what Paul is doing here is highlighting each of the persons of the Godhead's roles in our lives. Grace through Jesus, love from God, and communion with the Holy Spirit. He teaches that the Greek word for communion here is koinonia, and in my South African dialect, koinonia. I prefer koinonia, but I believe the right pronunciation is koinonia. It is not the same as the sacrament of communion that we have every Sunday. Instead, the Greek word here has three major definitions. Fellowship, partnership, and intimacy. Now, I'm not going to elaborate on each one because we'll be here till lunchtime. <laughs> but what I want to do is to take you on my journey of fellowship, partnership, and intimacy with Holy Spirit. My journey in relation to Holy Spirit started in church when I was old enough to read and together with my parents we would recite the Nicene Creed. Anyone not know what the Nicene Creed is in church? It's our statement of belief. It is us saying, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. And we would say, I believe in the Holy Spirit the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who together with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. And later on in time, I learned how to make the sign of the cross in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I was never sure whether it was Holy Spirit or Holy Spirit, but nevertheless, I was making the sign of the cross, which was an identifier when you grow up amongst a community of Muslims and Hindus and other faiths, when you made the sign of the cross, you identified with each other and you tracked towards each other. 
I'm not sure why we did that, but we did that. And so you see, I may not have known him as well at that age. I may not have understood him as well at that age, but he knew me. And what I was doing, even though I was being taught, was to utter his name, to utter his name into the spirit world, into the atmosphere, because he knew me. And he was pursuing me from the time that he created me in the secret place called heaven. This was the start of our fellowship. When two people want to come together, sometimes it takes one person to make the move. And then when you come together, you both realize that you should be together. Holy Spirit knew me. Holy Spirit knows you. And he wants to have fellowship with you, the believer. I was fortunate also from a young age. My parents allowed me to attend worship services in other denominations. Worship services that were different to our church. And so with my Catholic cousins, I went to the Catholic church and worshipped God. And with my Baptist and Pentecostal friends, I went to their church and I worshipped my God. The Catholic Church was very similar to the Anglican Church, but the Baptist and the Pentecostal churches, now that's where I would say I became more familiar with Holy Spirit. I grew in my fellowship with him and he with me. The once separated distance started to come closer as we fellowshiped with each other. Alpha became an Anglican hit in South Africa, and the Alpha Holy Spirit weekends helped to bring us closer to each other, helped us to fellowship with each other even more. I knew God, I knew Jesus, and now I was beginning to know Holy Spirit. But it was not until we came to Australia, where at St. Bart's Church, I became increasingly more intimate with Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit had planted me where he could go deeper with me where he could use me as a conduit of his power and his presence. God planted us as a family at St. Bart's in a season where the Spirit of God was freely leading and manifesting for the strengthening of the worshiper, the believer. I grew in my intimacy with him, and I took the opportunities that he presented, both in church and in my work life, to have fellowship with him, to partner with him, and to become increasingly more intimate with him. As a worshiper, I desired for the gift of tongues. Paul teaches that the gift of tongues is for the edification of the individual, as opposed to the gift of prophecy, which is for the edification of the whole church. The word church meaning, the word edification meaning strengthening. Now, I figured that if I wanted to be a part of a team that strengthened the church, I needed to be self-strengthened. I needed to be spiritually sent, uh, strengthened. So I asked God. And his word says, ask and thou shalt receive. And I received. And I used it to strengthen myself, to strengthen me spiritually, so that I could be a part of a team that would strengthen the church in this building and outside this building. When our season at St. Bart's was over, we were led to fellowship at Living Grace Church. My time at Living Grace was a time 
of going deeper with Holy Spirit. Now, if you know living grace, it's pretty full on. It is pretty full on. But I loved worshiping there. I truly loved worshiping there because I felt his presence there. I felt the anointing there. However, God had other plans. It was only for, to be a season, a season in which God was using a church in order to help one that he loved. Time for confession. Before going to Living Grace, we came to worship here at Hume Ridge Church of Christ. We came here because our boys were coming to Stumpy's to youth and to Sunday evening service. So we figured as a, as a, as a, as a family, we should come to one church and worship. I came to the morning services because I'm a morning service person. And to be honest with you, I could not settle in for one simple reason. I didn't feel the presence of Holy Spirit. And I wanted to worship where he was tangible. That's me. And for that, I apologize to you as a church. God graciously took me to living grace for that season. And then, as only God can, he brought me back to where he wanted me to be. I felt like Holy Spirit was saying to me, and he was, I am present because I am in every believer in this church. I am present because I am in every believer in this church. Stop whining like a spoiled child. And I will show you that I am here. Holy Spirit's not only a comforter. He can get pretty firm as well. He can be pretty strong as well. And for the believer, he can move you. He opened my eyes and he opened my ears physically and spiritually to see him and to hear him in different people in this church. And so I apologize to you for making such an assumption. I apologize to you for judging that Holy Spirit was not in this church, that he was absent and that we were just getting together to sing and to listen to a couple of words from the front. And I hope that as God has forgiven me, that you too will forgive me. But the choice is yours. When fellowship and partnership are in place, intimacy will follow. Intimacy is that closeness that develops between people in personal relationships. It builds over time as you connect and feel more and more comfortable together. The Holy Spirit of God is not a person, is not, a, is not an it. He's a person, and he wants to be intimate with you. Not your physical bodies. He wants to be intimate with the spirit he created in Genesis 1. And as we come to a close, I want to show you again how my communion with him, my fellowship, my partnership, my intimacy with Holy Spirit, what it means in the following things. Firstly, 
that when I lead you in worship on a Sunday morning, it's not without him. It is never without him. My leading is the product of my communion with him. My assignment is to create an atmosphere that is open to his presence first and foremost, and then to lead you into that presence so that your spirit, together with Holy Spirit, may glorify our Lord and our God. Jesus' words, God's words, Jesus' words. My people will worship me in spirit, that's Holy Spirit, and in truth through the blood of Jesus, the one who has opened the way. He has called me to be a worship leader. He called me 20 years ago when he needed one for his church. And I said, yes, but only if you do it with me. And he has never, ever let me down. I can't explain it to you, but God equipped the called. My prayer is that all of us who lead worship will do so in a similar way. Not just our gifts and talents, but with Holy Spirit. Secondly, when I stand up here to share God's word with you, when I'm asked to do it, again, it's never without him. In my preparation, I go to him and I say, Lord, what do you want me to say to your church in this season? Not what anyone else wants me to say, but what do you want me to say for your people? And he responds. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.4. He says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Again, it is my prayer for every one of us that stands up here to preach God's word to you, that it is a word in season that is coming from spending time with God, from having communion with Holy Spirit, so that what we are hearing is beneficial, is relevant for us, the believer in the world today. I am hungry for the word of God that is Holy Spirit inspired. Thirdly, that when I pray for you with the other elders in the front here, it's prayer while listening to what he's saying, while listening to what he's saying that you are not saying to us, so that when we pray, we can pray in his power, use his words and the word of God in scripture for whatever your need is. And lastly, that I do my best to discuss everything pertaining to my life with him. And when I forget, and I sometimes do, I know that my beloved Holy Spirit will convict me, will remind me through his still small voice. Don't do life without Holy Spirit. Don't take the knowledge and put it in your back pocket or file it in your Bible. Holy Spirit is a person and he wants to have intimacy with you. Brothers and sisters in Christ, don't be afraid to begin a relationship with him. And don't be afraid to go deeper in your relationship with him. Don't be afraid to experience his presence and manifestation of his presence, the weight of his glory, the life that comes. And please, please don't knock it if you haven't experienced it. 
because you're knocking him when you knock others who speak of their experiences. Instead, embrace it. If it's not for you, it's not for you. But don't knock it. And a lot of us are guilty of that. I believe personally from Scripture that our first priority is to worship God. Stand, kneel, sit, lie, whatever posture, be in awe of Him, worship Him, praise Him with songs, glorify Him in spirit. And our second priority is to carry out as spirit beings in a physical body our new assignment. Out of this, good works and generosity will flow. May we not get so caught up in the work of the Lord that we forget the Lord of the work. May Holy Spirit encourage our spirit beings to move our physical bodies to church every Sunday to worship Jesus. And where we can be revived and restored, refreshed and empowered in Holy Spirit's presence to then go out come Monday morning and share the good news and be the good news. Jesus said, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Spirit to spirit. Let's pray. No song this time. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this word for this morning. But more especially, I thank you for our pastors and our ministers who have thought it right and fit for us to hear about your Holy Spirit, the gift that you gave us at our baptism. Holy Spirit, I ask you to forgive us for not being aware of you, for not acknowledging you, for not learning more about you. I ask you to forgive us and help us to move forward together with you, to have fellowship with you whenever we can, to have partnership with you in all things, and to have intimacy with you so that we can experience you in a way that is much deeper. Holy Spirit, bless those with the gifts that they desire to serve you in the world today. You have many gifts, and your word said those gifts come with you when you come into the life of the believer. For those who desire it, Lord, give it to them. For those you have already given, Lord, make them aware of it so that they can exercise those gifts in the world today. And above all, we thank you, God, for your son, Jesus, the one who has made it possible for us to be in communion with you, for us to live our lives in your power and in your strength. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.